Morning. Morning. How's it going? Good. Good to see you. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4. You want to turn there with me? I'd appreciate it. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, and uh, obviously a time for us to remember the sacrifices that have been made uh, in, in the lives of, of soldiers who have paid the ultimate price, who have put their, li- their lives on the line, and who have uh, sacrificed themselves for their country, right, their families, uh, for our freedom. And it's, uh, I hope you at least this week can remember that and think about that. And um, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing that, that people do, putting their lives on the line for, for what they believe in, for what they hold dear. And we ought to be thankful for that. Today we are left with the legacy of those who have served and who have given their lives. Uh, our country is a legacy uh, all the time. When people fight for our freedom, fight for our way of life, and, uh, and they die for it. And that legacy um, is of brave men and women who, who gave everything, who gave their all, and were highly motivated to do so. Uh, it's amazing reading. I read stories this week of soldiers and battlefields and letters they'd write home and things they'd say and, and what motivated them to, to continue to fight and, and uh, to give, give of themselves every day. Uh, it's, just, it's just awe-inspiring. Uh, not only their country or their family or, or their freedoms, but, but the soldier next to them, fighting for, for each other uh, in the trenches. Uh, just an amazing thing. So uh, flags are up all over the place, and we ought we to give honor to those who have given all. So can we, can we pray and just thank God for them? Father, we thank you so much for brave young men and women who have volunteered to give everything who willingly put their lives on the line, risking all, that we might have freedom, we might enjoy a free country, and their families would be protected. We thank you for their sacrifice. We remember them, and are honored to have known them or to know of them, and we're thankful. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I looked at sacrifice and I thought about sacrifice, uh, what motivated people to serve and to fight and to give everything they had was really interesting to me. And I I thought about that for a while and I thought about some of the things that that you and I ought to be motivated from and by. And and what would motivate us into sacrificial living, into laying our lives down and saying, I'm going to be a living sacrifice, and if I die, that's fine, but I'm going to be a living sacrifice. What would motivate us and keep us and spur us on? You know, there's a mission that we have as well and that God gives us. And, and Paul says that, that whatever we do, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, it, that we do it all for the glory of God. That God's glory is to be supreme. That his name is to be seen from afar. That we as the body of Christ are to be a city on a hill that is shining brightly about the Lord Jesus. That, that we are the place that he dwells. He tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all things. God gives us our marching orders and and gives us his spirit and says, you'll have power when you have the Holy Spirit and and you'll be my witnesses to the uttermost parts of the earth. That we have have a task, we have a mission, just as these young young soldiers had missions, we have a mission that is from God, a mission that, that we ought not take lightly. But it's a mission that we have to be motivated for. So we're going to look at Nehemiah. And let's look at Nehemiah chapter 4, beginning at verse 
14. Nehemiah said, After I looked these things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your homes. As I was studying this week and I found that scripture, I'm like, that is just powerful. There's something powerful about that, but there's more to it than just meets the eye. And we're going to dig into that today and see and and explore what what is Nehemiah talking about. You see, there's there's some background to this. Uh, Nehemiah was was a cupbearer in uh, in Susa, far away, and he 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 was burdened and grieved over over the destruction of of Jerusalem and and that it has had been laid in ruins, because Nehemiah knew that that in order for God to be made great, his, his city had to be made great again. And it had to be a place where, where his name would dwell. And we're going to see that in a few minutes. So, so he was motivated. He was motivated. And, and, and he was so motivated that he, he gave the rally cry to the troops and said, this is worth fighting for. So today what we're going to look at, we're going to look at three things briefly. Three things that, that should motivate, motivate us to live sacrificially. All right, you ready? Number one, we're motivated to sacrifice because we have something worth fighting for. We have something worth fighting for. And that's one of the greatest reasons to fight. It's worth fighting for. You know, there are a lot of causes out there. There are a lot of, a lot of campaigns out there. And, and not, you know, I get envelopes and, and mail in, in the mailbox all the time, like join this or give to this. And I'm like, yeah, I toss them. They're not worth fighting for. There are some that I keep and that are worth fighting for. And there, and there are certainly things as you and I are, are believers in Christ, as we are the children of God, that we are the soldiers of Christ, there are things worth fighting for. Let's look at Nehemiah, what he said there in verse 14. He said, fight for your countrymen, your wives, or your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. He said, there, there's something worth fighting for and they're standing next to you. They're living on the street behind you. There's something worth fighting for and protecting because people are coming to take us out, take us out. People are coming to destroy what we've done. And it wasn't just about protecting life. Nehemiah knew that he had to build the city up, build the walls to this great city up so that the, the, the Lord would dwell there. there was, it was something worth fighting for. But he knew that a rally cry saying, fight for your wives, fight for your sons and daughters would get them motivated. There's something worth fighting for. There's an infamous war cry. I, studied, I looked at this this week. Like what are some famous war cries out there? And one of, the, one of the things they said, from, from the dawn of battle, the, this war cry has been said, for Beverly. And they say, for Beverly, because some soldier in every battle always says, for my loved one, for, the, for my family, for my, my wife, right? Someone, there's a motivation that says, it's, it's for Beverly. And it's just one of those ongoing, kind of a, almost a joke. But in every battle, in every scenario, we're fighting for those we love, right? And, and for us who are Christians, we're fighting for the souls of people. We had class 101 yesterday. It went really good. It was fun. But we talked about this, that we're eternal. And there's nothing that we're going to take to heaven with us except for other people. So, so this life, as we, as we fight this battle, our for Beverly needs to be not just for flesh and blood, but for the souls of people, that people would know and love Jesus Christ. So I told you the background of the story. He, 
he wanted to go to Jerusalem. He wanted to make sure that, that Christ was lifted up, or that God's name was lifted up. In, in Nehemiah 1, it says this, verse 8 and 9. Please remember what you commanded your servant. This is a prayer. He's praying this to God. Please remember what you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. But if you return to me and carefully observe my commands, even though your exiles were banished to the ends of the earth, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I choose to have my name dwell. You see, there, there was this promise from God that Nehemiah was holding on to. And he said, God, I know that if we're faithful, if we're obedient, if we, if we fight this, this fight because there's a cause, that you, that, that you will make your name dwell there again. And see, for you and I as the church, as the body, that if, if we would say, we're going to lift up Jesus, we're going to do everything we can to be faithful and to be obedient, and then as we are faithful and obedient, this will, this will cause us to rally together and come together, and that as we build up that unity, as we build up that excitement, God's name will dwell there, and God's name will be seen, and, and we would be a city on a hill, not just this building or this property, but, but you and I, the body of Christ, living, living, breathing, hands and feet of Jesus, would be that city on a hill that shines light into the darkness, that is there for a whole world to see and a whole world to be saved. Because there's a battle worth fighting for Beverly, for the souls of mankind. And Nehemiah, I, I shared this verse before in chapter 6, Nehemiah was, was so... So focused on this task, he had to free himself from distractions. And as these guys plotted to kill him, there's a response he has in, in chapter 6, verse 3. They, they sent, a, sent a response. They sent a letter saying, hey, come, come meet with me. Come, come talk. Let's, let's talk this out. Let's negotiate. And they had in, in mind to kill him, and he knew that. So he says in verse 3 of chapter 6, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and cannot come down. I can't be bothered with this. I'm busy with things that are more important. There's a fight worth fighting for. And see, Nehemiah knew that, and he said, there's nothing else that can be, can be a distraction to me. We have plans to make God's city great and to make his name great. He could not be and would not be distracted from the cause. And, and, and I think he understood like Paul understood in Romans chapter 1, it says this. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. So why? Why? Because it is the power of God, or it's God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. See, Nehemiah knew that God's great name was that great. It was that powerful. And for you and I, it is the only name that we can lift up. It's the only name that we should lift up. It is the name above every name. And at that name, at the end of time, every single knee will bow. Every single knee will bow. And that is a fight worth fighting for. Paul goes on in Timothy and says this, 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In the future there is reserved for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all of those who have loved his appearing. Listen, we are fighting the good fight for the souls of people, for the glory of God, and for the reward that he's going to give us. So we can take that reward and lay it back down at his feet and say, worthy is the lamb. I don't know if you guys catch on here. It's all about Jesus. It's all about making his name great. 
It's all about being a city on a hill that points to him. There, there's, no, there's no spotlight or, or lighthouse or flashlight that should point anywhere else except the beacon of hope that is in Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. And our war cry, our war cry should not be the, for Beverly, but should be for the name of the Lord. We do it, we go out and we fight for the name of the Lord that it would be made great. We're motivated to sacrifice because we have a battle and a fight worth fighting for. Number two, we're motivated to sacrifice because we don't have to fear. Amen? We don't have to be afraid. I say that, and I know that it's really scary to go share Jesus with your friends. But we don't have to be afraid. Look what Nehemiah said. And he encouraged the people, don't be afraid of them. It's like, Nehemiah, it's easy, easy for you to say. You're this, you know, this God man. You, you got this supernatural ability to get us all together and build a wall and keep us safe. And, and, but the people are probably scared. Later on in this chapter, he goes on, it says, some guys had, had trowels and some guys had trowels and swords at the same time. They're building a wall ready to defend themselves. But don't be afraid of them. Why would he say that? Why would, there, why would he, he say, don't be afraid? First of all, who is them? We have to answer that question. Who is them? Don't be afraid of them. They are the on, only the people who can take our life. Scripture says we ought not be afraid of the people who can kill us by the flesh, right? But the one who deals with the soul. And that is Jesus Christ. Listen, there, I, I know our lives are important to us. I know the flesh is important to us. And we don't want to die. We don't want to have the pain or that, that grief or whatever that is. I get that. There's a lot of grief and pain associated with death. But you and I, Brandon, me right now, I'm talking to you, right? I am eternal. I will continue to go on and on. I will not die. This body will give out. This body will fail. This body will perish. And I may not like the prospect of that or, or how that separation occurs and what that feels like. It might be kind of nervous and nerve-wracking. But listen, no one can take away what Jesus has given me. You can take the flesh, but you cannot take my soul. And you cannot take my spirit, and you cannot take my hope. Because it is in Jesus Christ, the name above every name. So should we fear? Well, yeah, it's going to be a little nerve-wracking when we die, if we don't know when we're going to die and how that's going to feel. But, but no, we're, we're eternal. And we, we've done, if we've done business with Jesus, we're good. We're good to go. So who, who is them? It's only the people that can take our flesh or hurt us in the flesh. They have no power over our soul. They have no power over our hope or the eternity that God is giving us in Christ Jesus. So who is them? I, it's not God. Isaiah went on and said this in 41.10. Do not fear, why? for I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Who is them compared to him? He is the great I am. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He is the alpha and the omega. He is God and says, he, and he promises, I will be with you. So don't be afraid. I will strengthen you. I will help you. With my righteous, mighty right hand. That's the strength of the Lord that we have. He is our God. He will strengthen us. Second Chronicles 20 says this. Chapter 20, verse 17. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. 
Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow we go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Now this is a a specific army in a specific time, but I think we can infer the same things. As we go into battle, as we face our enemies, our our accusers, our people who would persecute us, we face a lost and dying world, guess what? The Lord is with us. He goes before us. The victory is His, not mine. And, And if I get a chance to share and have an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, I didn't win. Jesus won. I told a story a long time ago when, when we, were, we were in Hollywood, and I've, I've used this since then, but I, I asked questions. I, asked, I did a survey with people on the street. I said, what do you believe about God? That was the first question. I asked, would you like to participate in a survey? No, no strings attached. What do you believe about God? And, and sometimes people said, I'm done. I'm out of here. See you later. And, and people that were with, with me, they said, that's just, oh, that's disheartening. They didn't want to listen. They didn't want to talk. They didn't want to answer the question. They didn't want to have anything to do with God. I said, why is that, why is that a loss? here's where the victory was. I said, what do you believe about God? And they said, I'm done. And they walked away thinking about God. You see, it's not my victory to be had. It's God's victory to be had. If it's my victory to be had, our focus is on the wrong place. Our focus is now on ourselves. It's God's victory to be had. And we want to make him the victorious one. We want to point to him. It says, for Yahweh is with you. The Lord is with you. This is the great I am. This is the king of kings, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the all-present one. He, he is, he is, he's the man, and he's the one that's with us. So our rally, our, our rally cry should be, do not be afraid, the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid, the Lord is with us. And that should stir in our hearts action, motivate us to sacrificial living, saying the Lord is with me. I, I can do this. One of our, our friends, uh, Sean Shepard, if you guys remember Sean and the Shepard family. Sean lives down in Cottonwood now with his family. But um, he, after his accident, he, uh, he just, man, blossomed into an awesome man of God. And um, we were on a youth trip one day. <laughs> we were on a youth trip. And we're on this trip, and we're cleaning up. We're on this, this rafting thing, and we're cleaning up camp and putting things away. And, of course, we have tons of teenagers there, right? Kind of just lackadaisical. They're just moseying around. They don't have a good, strong work ethic yet. And... We're putting things away, and, and, and Sean, Sean's dealing with some of the, the gear, and, and he asked the student, hey, could you grab that, that ice chest and put it in the back of the truck, please? And the, and the kid's like, oh, that's too big. I, I can't. No, I don't want to do that. And Sean kind of came unglued in a, in a cool way, in a neat way. He's like, what? Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you can't pick up an ice chest? We're all like, oh, let's go. Let's clean up camp. Let's get it going. Right, let's make sure it's all picked up. Because Jesus died for us. But we remember the Lord. We don't have to be afraid. We remember that he is with us. And, and see, that motivates us. That stirs in our heart. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. That should stir an action in us. A response in us. Not a laziness. Not an apathy. But a passion. Don't be afraid. The Lord is with us. Finally, number three. What motivates, what motivates us to live sacrificially is that we remember the Lord. We remember the Lord. See what Nehemiah said in, in 4.14 again. It says, remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. You, know, you and I have moments in our life and times in our life that, that stick out, that God showed up big time. That God did something big. I, I talk about this all the time, but if you and I look back on our life, even to the moment we, 
we put our faith and trust in Christ to forgive our sin and redeem us. We look back on that now. We aren't thanking ourselves. We remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. We remember what he did, how he drew me to himself, how he orchestrated the moment that I could humbly bow before him in faith and receive his gift of grace and forgiveness. We remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord. Remembering things is important. And, and I looked at this in, in battle, in these war cries. There were several that, that talked about remembering. Um, in history, the, 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 the Alamo, the, the Battle of the Alamo was lost, right? And we, we lost that battle. So from then on, the Texans, as they fought in those wars and eventually captured Santa Ana, the, the rally cry for the Texan army, Remember the Alamo! Whew, you get goosebumps goose pimples, don't you? You're just like, ooh. See, war cries were meant to give you chills, to put, put some gumption in your spine and make you run, make you move forward because there was a cause worth fighting for. Remember the Maine. Remember the Lusitania. Remember Pearl Harbor. They were battle cries and, and that, that soldiers fought for because there's something happened there. Something happened that was bad. Remember 9-11. It, it, it spurs us on towards action. So for you and I, remember the Lord. And it's not just think about the Lord. Oh, yeah, he's, he's neat and fun and he, he forgave me. No, remember what he has done. Remember the depths from which he has saved you and, and, and picked you out of. God did a huge work in our lives. Whether we were saved from the, from the pit of despair and drunkenness and and just debauchery, or we were saved out of our own pride because we had it all together. God saved us. God humbled us and saved us. And he accomplished everything that could be accomplished when we could accomplish nothing. He went the full distance for us. God did that. Think about Moses and the, and the Israelites as they came out of Egypt. Time and time again, God delivered and provided and delivered and provided and parted the waters and provided and they were still idol worshipers. And Moses would continue to say, remember the Lord? Joshua, remember the Lord? Remember what happened here? Remember what he has done? I think that, that even other nations would look to the Israelites and say, you're doing what? Your God did this and you're doing what? See, remembering the Lord and what he's done for us spurs us on towards obedience and faith. When we neglect remembering what the Lord has done, we become idol worshipers. We start to worship ourselves first, put ourselves on the throne of our life as Lord, and then we start to bring stuff around us to make us feel comfortable, like every Lord has ever done in the history of the world. But Jesus is Lord. He's the one that said, I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm the one that's going to return one day on a horse with a robe drenched in blood with a sword out of my mouth. You're just going to be riding behind me, white and clean. Because I did all the work. See, we remember the Lord, and that spurs us on towards action. I want to read a passage out of Deuteronomy, speaking about the Israelites. Starting in chapter 8, verse 1, it says, you, you must carefully follow every command I am giving you today, so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your fathers. So, hey, remember what I did, now, now obey. I've done some great things, now obey. Remember that the Lord your God led you 
on the entire journey of these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you and know what is in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out. Your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord, your God, has been disciplining you, just as a man disciplines his son. See, there's this, this whole time that the Israelites are wandering that God is providing, that God is setting in their heart that he is the Lord, that he is the one that's going to carry them through. And that was a time of discipline, that 40 years. They wandered for 40 years because of their disobedience, because of their idolatry. I don't want to be a wanderer. I want to be a citizen. I want to, I want to, I want to take the land and the promise that God has for us. I want to shine brightly as a city on the hill for the Lord, that people would see him, proclaim him, and know him. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. We serve a living and active God. And I know there are days we don't, we don't feel him, we don't sense him necessarily, but he is there. And, and these soldiers that have gone way before us from the beginning of time, who have given themselves for their countrymen, for their families, for their, for their freedom, we can learn something from them. But our motivation is for a battle that we know that Jesus Christ is victorious. And that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's hope in Jesus. That we would remember the Lord. And we would have something worth fighting for. There are moments in our lives that should affect us every day for the rest of our lives. And those moments are about what God did when God showed up. So our battle cry should be, remember the Lord. Remember Jesus and what he did and what he accomplished and what he's going to accomplish in us today. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's stand up and have prayer. Father, we, we humble ourselves before you because we want to be good soldiers. We want to fight the good fight. We want to lift up the name of Jesus at every chance we get because it's all about you. Help us to be that city on a hill that shines light into the darkness. We'd be a beacon of hope for those who are in despair, those who are lost for, for souls, God, that matter to you. Motivate us every day to sacrifice ourselves, to live in a way that puts you and others first and us second. We give this day to you. We give our lives to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we close our service, it's our opportunity to worship, opportunity to respond, to celebrate what God has done. Maybe you want a pep talk by your, by your neighbor. Get a pep talk. Maybe you want to get prayer from me. I'll be up here. Whatever it is, as, as we close this service today in worship, we're responding to God. We're remembering the Lord, and we're motivating ourselves to live sacrificially as we go. Let's sing.